Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. All right, guys, I am so excited about the Word of God today. I'm passionate about God's Word, and I'm expectant that I know that God's going to speak to us. So I know you just sat down. Doesn't matter. I want you to stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. It's going to be on the screens behind me. And today we're reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. I want you to really get some context for our passage today. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at this together. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Okay, I want us to say this prayer together, okay, out loud. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Good, bow your heads and let me pray. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us through your word. Lord, you said that your word is living and active within us. And I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts today, that you would do a good work, a supernatural work within us. So we invite you to come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you're seated today, turn to the person next to you and say, you look good. Listen, everybody needs some encouragement sometimes. It's good. Well, we are in our series um, called Pray First. And for the last month, we've been talking about prayer. You know, a few weeks back, I heard this story of this little boy. And he went to his dad one day and he said, Dad, I really want a baby brother. And the dad said, well, that's great, son. You should pray about that. And so the little boy did for an entire month, every night before he went to bed, he prayed, God, please give me a baby brother. Please give me a baby brother. But at the end of that month, there was no baby brother. So he prayed for a second month, you know, diligently every night. God, please, if you don't give me anything else ever again, just give me a baby brother. At the end of the second month, there was no baby brother. So he prayed for a third month that God would bless him with a baby brother. But at the end of that month, when he still didn't see a little baby brother, he gave up and he stopped praying about it. Well, several months later, the dad took him to the hospital and said, I have a surprise for you, son. 
pulled back the curtain and there was a baby brother. The little boy got so excited and the father said, hold on, there's more. So I pulled back the curtain again and there was another baby brother. Then he pulled back the curtain a third time and there was a third baby brother. And the dad was so happy and the son was so happy and the dad bent down and he said, see son, aren't you glad you prayed? And the little boy said, aren't you glad I stopped praying after three months? We're in this series about prayer, and and for the last few weeks, we've been studying the Lord's Prayer. We're breaking it apart line by line because we really don't want to make this complicated. You know, uh, there's a lot that you could say about prayer. If you were to put the word prayer into a Google search engine, you would get 961 million results. And so our heart in this series is really just to keep it simple. We want to get back to basics. And I think the most important thing that we want you to take away from this series is that God is more more concerned with the condition of your heart in prayer than he is with the words that you use. Okay, so God, God wants you to pray out of a place of relationship, not just to cross it off a list. You know, we're not out of ritual or routine. And we realize that for some of you, that may be very different from how you were brought up. So we're taking our time with this series and we're working through it. A few weeks ago, we took a look at verse seven that says that when you pray, you go into the secret place and your heavenly father who sees you in secret, he will reward you openly. Then we talked about verse nine that says, our father who art in heaven. And when we talked about the importance of knowing that our prayers are not just hitting the ceiling, that when we pray, we're praying to a loving heavenly father who cares about our well-being. We talked about the first part of verse 10 that says, your kingdom come. And today we're gonna look at the second part of that verse that says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today we're gonna talk about the will of God. And I want us to establish something up front, um, really before we dive into this. I I want to answer maybe a question um, that you've asked yourself before. And that's this, I want us to establish that God's will can be discerned. You can know God's will. God doesn't want his will to be this frustrating thing for you of like struggling and trying to figure out what the will of God is for your life. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 verse two, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this shows us that we can test and approve what God's will is. We can be confident of what the will of God is for our lives. So I love that scripture is so clear on this, that God doesn't want you to be in the dark concerning his will for your life. Paul said it this way in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians 1.9, he said, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Now, it's interesting that Paul refers to the will of God as a mystery. I was thinking about this this week, and I thought, you know, 
for some of the husbands out there, maybe there's been some times when the will of your wife was a mystery to you. Um, Eric and I have been married for 21 years, and um, a few years back, I just decided, you know what? He's not a mind reader. Like, I'm not going to make it so difficult for him to know what it is that I want. So as we're coming up on Christmas time, he's going to get a few text messages from me with some potential gift ideas, you know, because I don't want my will to be a mystery to my husband. And I love that God's will, that, that God's word is clear on this, that we can be confident and we can know what the will of God is. This word for mystery that Paul used here in Ephesians 1.9, it doesn't mean something that is unknowable. No, it means something that can only be known through revelation. That means that when you spend time with the Father, when you go to your secret place in prayer and you get into the presence of God and you get to know who he is, he reveals his will to you. So you can know what the will of God is for your life. And I want us to just, let's just settle that in our hearts right now, okay? So we're gonna talk about the will of God today and I want us to take a look at what scripture says about God's will. The first thing that we see in the word of God is that God's will is not my will. God's will is not my will. Genesis 1 verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so we see that we were all created in the image of God and God has a will. So that means that we have a will. And, and you should never feel bad about that. You should never feel guilty that you have a will that is separate from God's will because God designed you that way. But it's important for us to be aware of the moments in prayer when we're seeking the face of God, you know, we're praying, we're, we're going after it and, and God's will is revealed to us and we realize in that moment, hold on, God's will is not my will. In fact, my will is in opposition to God's will. And it's in those moments that we have to make a decision. We have to decide, am I, gonna, am I going to you know, change the way I'm praying and come into alignment with the will of God? Or am I gonna keep praying for what I want and try to manipulate God with my prayers to get what I want? Now, I know you guys would probably never do that, but I've done that before and the results were not good. I came across this quote from Dallas Willard this week and kind of had an ouch moment. Um, he said, the biggest enemy to God's kingdom in my life is not Satan's kingdom, it's my kingdom. Whew, everybody say ouch. Yeah, sometimes when we are in prayer and we discover the will of God, we recognize that my will is in opposition to God's will, right? God's will is not my will. And what do we do in those moments? How do we come into alignment with God's will? Uh, James talked about this dilemma in James chapter four, verse three. He said, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Okay, so, so how, do we, how do we change our heart when we go to God so that we can cause our will to come into alignment with his will? We pray first. 
we go to God in prayer. And when we spend time in prayer, God chips away the rough edges, right? And he, he softens our heart and he transforms our will to line up with his. Uh, you've probably heard the saying, prayer changes things, right? And, and I believe that wholeheartedly. I've said that for years, and it's a good statement. But I think maybe a more accurate statement would be, prayer changes us. Prayer changes us as we spend time in the presence of the Lord. And as we're praying and really, really talking to the Father, he begins to transform our heart and our will and our desires to come into alignment with his will. You know, Jesus said something that was very powerful about prayer um, that I think is, is, is really good for us to hear today. This is in John 16, verse 23. He said, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. How could he say that? Like, doesn't he know how messed up we are sometimes? I mean, we just saw that my will is often in opposition to God's will. So how could Jesus say, hey, whatever you want, you just ask for it in my name and the Father will give it to you. Jesus was able to make this bold statement because his will becomes the filter for our prayers. In Matthew 6.10, our verse from today, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus wanted to teach us. He wanted to lead the way in this and show us that, that God's will becomes the filter for our prayers. That, that when we pray in alignment with the will of God and in the name of Jesus, that we can know that God is going to answer our prayers. I like this quote from uh, Bill Johnson from Bethel Church. He said, we, we were not designed to just pray. We were designed to pray and get answers. And I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want to get answers. And Jesus was saying, this is the key to that, that when we pray in alignment with the will of God and in the name of Jesus, that we're going to get answers. So God's will is not my will at times. And, and, and his will becomes the filter for our prayers. Look at the example that Jesus set for us in this. In the Lord's prayer, he started by saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he got into all the requests, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. That's a lot of requests. And I think sometimes as believers, we say things like, well, I don't want to ask God for all of that in prayer because it feels selfish. You know, it feels like I'm always asking God for things. I don't want to always be asking God for things in prayer. But remember, the disciples went to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus filled this model of prayer with requests. 
So Jesus was saying, it's okay to ask. We go to the Father as his children and, and we ask. We ask on behalf of your family. Ask for healing. Ask for provision. Ask for you know direction and for God to move in your life. God doesn't get mad whenever we ask him. He wants us to ask him, but his will becomes the filter for those requests. I mean, remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus led the way in praying, not my will, but thine be done. So God's will becomes a filter for our prayers. And we see that God's will is not my will. But I have good news for you today. You want some good news? Here's the good news. The good news is that God's will is better than my will. Let's take a second and let's just reflect on the character of God, okay? Um, what do we know about God? We know that he loves you. We know that he knows you better than you know yourself. He, he knows what you have need of before you even ask him, right? But even more than that, he sees your circumstances. He sees the future. God um, has promised to work all things together for your good. This is what we know about God's character. And God has been faithful. He's got a good track record, right? So we know these things about who God is, but I think that we forget them sometimes. And in those moments when we forget about his faithfulness, we forget about his loving kindness, in those moments, uh, we let fear set in. And that's when we have misconceptions about God's will. You know, I hear people say things like, well, I don't want to seek the will of God. God's going to, you know, call me to live in Africa. Or I don't want, to, I don't want God's will. God's going to tell me to empty out my bank account and give everything to kingdom builders. And we get it so twisted in our minds because we start to view God as like this, this evil God that's trying to ruin our lives with his will. And nothing could be further from the truth. But that comes from a place of fear. And I think that fear comes from knowing that if we submit our will to God's will, we're going to be under new leadership. And that's scary, right? With new leadership comes change. You know, I mean, just think about, you know, being under new management in your workplace. Like just thinking about that can give us anxiety, right? <laughs> because with change comes, it comes new, uh, new systems, new processes, new, new plans and new ways of doing things. Listen, if you submit your life to the kingdom and the, the rule of Jesus, if he is the leader of your life, some things are gonna change. And that scares us at times. I think the greatest example of being under new leadership in my life was whenever I went from my dad's leadership in my house growing up to my husband's leadership when we got married. Um, we got married really young. I was still in college. And, you know, in my dad's house growing up, um, my dad was very domineering, very outspoken, and verbally abusive at times. Um, whenever I married Eric, Eric's name literally means quiet leader. And I didn't realize the impact that his leadership would have in my life. Um, so I, I remember the exact moment that I realized I was under new leadership. 
I was in the kitchen and I was doing the dishes. We had been married for two months. I was doing the dishes and I broke a plate. And I remember I just cringed. I was waiting for my dad to come into the kitchen and start yelling at me and nothing happened. And I realized that Eric wasn't gonna yell at me. He's never yelled at me. That's not even in his character. He's like the most gentle person you would ever meet. You know, if anything, he came in and checked on me. And I realized in that moment that I was free, that I never had to live with the fear of attack any longer, that, that his leadership was a safe place for me. Listen, God's will is not my will, but God's will is better than my will. God's will brings healing to your life. It brings healing to the broken places in your life, right? I mean, just being under Eric's leadership, his quiet leadership, that brought healing to my nervous system. I realized I didn't feel like I was walking around on eggshells anymore. And these are the kinds of things that the will of God does in our lives, that it brings healing to the brokenness. It, it brings chaos. You, or it brings um, order to all of the chaos in our lives, you know, and in, in the world around us, like God's will can bring order. God's will is a safe and trusted place for your heart. I'm not saying bad things will never happen because this is just the world that we live in, but God's will is a safe and trusted place for your heart. God's will never brings confusion. The Bible says he is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God's will brings peace into your life. Um, I want us to look at this verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, verse 6. This is the Christmas verse, okay? We always read this at Christmas time, but it's really good for us today. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. The government will be on his shoulders. What does that mean? This is referring to the rule and the reign of Christ, that his kingdom brings about peace. His will brings about peace. So when you submit your life to the will of God, he brings about greater peace in your life. And I want you to be encouraged by that today, that God's will is not my will, but God's will is better than my will. Uh, we also see in the, in the word of God that the will of God is to be thankful no matter what. Look at this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, so there might be some things in your life that you're still trying to figure out what God's will is. You're seeking him, you know, in your, your prayer time, but you can be confident of this, that it is the will of God that you would be thankful in all circumstances. When I was growing up, um, I, I'm the oldest of five kids, and I grew up in Texas, 
that has nothing to do with the story, but I just thought you should know that. And, um, you know, my parents struggled um, to make ends meet. We always struggled financially. And um, there were months that they didn't know if they were gonna be able to pay the bills. Uh, there were times when they didn't know how they were, um, how they were going to, um, to put food on the table. And in that time, God was faithful and God showed up in such a big way in our lives. So there was this one month in particular that my parents, they didn't know what they were gonna do. They didn't have money to pay the bills. They didn't have, you know, they weren't able to, to put food on the table. And just in the nick of time, my dad got this small, unexpected bonus at his work. And that night, I remember my parents were so thankful. They were so full of praise and thanksgiving that night. And we went to the store uh, to get some food and we were piled in our, our little car. And I remember my parents singing this chorus of praise. And they said, we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. We are blessed. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. We are blessed. With food and shelter and clothing, we are blessed. We don't deserve it, but yes, we are blessed. And in that moment, they taught me that we can sing praise to God in the most difficult moments of our lives. We can bring praise to God in all circumstances. Um, years later, years later, when I was in high school, um, I was 16, I started to drive, and I had to drive some really embarrassing cars, okay? Like cars that would challenge me to give thanks in all circumstances. And I don't know if you guys can relate to car troubles, but like, like there were some, some difficult moments in this, to say the least. And, and if you can relate to that, you can't, you can't say amen, just say ouch, okay? It's okay. I had cars that broke down on the side of the road. I had cars that left a cloud of smoke wherever I went and not from the presence of the Lord. Um, one of my cars blew up. That's a whole different story. One of my cars, the way that I had to crank it was I had to lift the hood and touch two wires together with a screwdriver. True story. And I don't know whose idea that was because I know nothing about cars. And here I was, a 16-year-old girl driving around with a screwdriver in my purse so I could start my car. But the most embarrassing moment that I had came about in a gold um, Chrysler LeBaron convertible. Now, in its day, this was a beautiful car, okay? And when the top was down and we were driving around, it was, it was a really nice car and it, it was fun to drive, right? But my dad got it for a really good deal because when the roof was up, there was a big hole in the roof. Yeah, so yeah. So if I was at school and it looked like it was about to rain, I had to ask to be excused to go outside and put a tarp over my car so that the interior wouldn't be messed up. 
Well, one day we were about to leave for school. Remember, I'm the oldest of five kids. It's my responsibility to get everybody to school on time. We're about to leave for school and it starts pouring down rain. I'm talking pouring down rain. And we didn't know what we were gonna do. So we did the only thing we knew to do. And we took an umbrella and we stuck it through the hole in the roof of the car and we opened the umbrella. It's okay to laugh now. (laughs) We weren't laughing at the time, I can tell you. So picture this with me. I mean, the five of us are piled into this tiny convertible and we've got our book bags. And my middle brother, his job was to hold the umbrella really tight and make sure it didn't blow away. My job was to drive the car really slowly so it wouldn't blow away. And then everyone else had to move the school books around because there was still water leaking in, you know, around the umbrella. It was the longest drive to school that we've ever had. But as we drove to school that day, I remembered my parents singing that chorus of praise in a difficult time. So we started to sing praise. And the whole way to school that day, we filled the car, not with water, but we filled it with praise. We filled our hearts with praise. And it was just as embarrassing as ever, okay, to pull up to our school and all our friends see us get out of a car with an umbrella coming out of the the roof. But... But I know that our hearts were in alignment with God's will that day because we were filled with praise. God said that it is his will for us to bring him praise and thanksgiving in all circumstances. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what we're going through, we can bring him praise. Look at this verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 60 verse 18. It says, no longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your your walls salvation and your gates praise. Listen, when you gave your heart to the Lord, when you had that salvation moment, he built a a hedge of protection around your life. And this wall that protects your life, it's called salvation. And and, and this guards you. And this, this says that you and everything that belongs to you is off limits to the enemy. But we know the Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So he's looking for an opening, right? The smallest crack in the wall, the smallest opening where he can get a foothold in and he can deceive you and bring destruction. So God says, no, no, no. It is my will that you would give thanks in all circumstances because praise becomes the gate to our lives, right? Praise becomes the gate that we can open and we can let in the goodness of God and the blessings of God and the love of our brothers and sisters, our church family. We can let the good things in, but then we can close the gate and we can say, not today, Satan. We can make sure that he doesn't get a foothold into our lives. Praise becomes the gate. I want us to close by just taking one final look at Matthew 6, verse 10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do you think he said as it is in heaven? Because in heaven, there's no contradiction to his will. 
In heaven, there is perfect unity. There's no more striving, no more, you know, my, my will is no longer in opposition to God's will. We'll be in perfect unity with him. And that's, that's something that brings peace and it brings blessings. And Jesus knew what it was like to be in perfect, um, in perfect unity with the Father. He knew that that is what heaven's like. And he wanted us to experience a little piece of heaven on earth. So we pray Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the beautiful thing. When we get to heaven, we have no need, no, no suffering, no tears, no sadness. Um, we need nothing right in his presence. And in that moment, this is the only part of the Lord's prayer that we'll pray. I think it'll look something like this. Our Father who is here with us, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom is come and your will is done. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. I want to pray for two groups of people today. I want to pray, first of all, for those of you who are struggling to hear God's will. You want to discover what God's will is for your life. Maybe you've been praying and you just don't feel like you've quite discovered what that is yet. So I wanna pray for you for clarity. And then the second group of people is those who know what God's will is, but your will is in opposition to God's will and you're struggling with that right now. And I wanna pray that, that God would soften your heart and bring it into alignment with his. So as I pray, if you fall into one of these categories, just receive the prayer today, okay? All right, bow your heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your will. I thank you that it's always for our good, that it brings healing into our lives, that it brings peace into our lives. Thank you, Father, thank you. Right now I lift up those that are here that are struggling to hear your will. I know there's a lot of other voices that we hear. We hear our own will. We hear, you know, uh, the perspective of the world. God, I pray that you would make your will clear to them. Let them get a word from you. Um, get rid of all the distraction that they would hear your word so clearly and know what your will is. And now I pray for all the people who know what your will is, but they're having a tough time stepping out in faith and submitting to your will. God, would you soften their hearts, soften their hearts. Let this be the moment. Let this be the moment that their heart breaks and that they receive your will. God, we thank you for this. You're a good and loving Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.